0: Hello and welcome to Setting Sales: Navigating AI in Higher Education. This is a podcast about rethinking teaching to create better education for everyone, with or without AI. I'm your host, Alexandra Jansky, leader of the Innovation and Digital Education team at the University of Zurich. Every week, I'll ask new interviewees from our university about their thoughts on AI. What if large language models wrote entire sections of your doctoral thesis for you? It helps you to come up with ideas, translate your mother tongue into Polish academic English and corrects your spelling mistakes. Is this still your work? AI tools such as ChatGPT transform your way of writing. And let's be honest, writing has always been a struggle. So why not outsource it? Is it still necessary that students learn how to write? A topic that raises a lot of questions about tradition, teaching and human nature. Therefore, I'm so glad that Noah Bubenhofer is here with me today. He's a professor of German Linguistic at the University of Zurich, where he teaches about digital language and culture. In his free time, he blogs about the future of writing. Noah Bubenhofer let's set some sales. Noah, in a Spanish study, language teachers had to assess 31 summaries of students, whereas one was written by ChatGPT. ChatGPT obtained the best marks in terms of content and style. Amazing or concerning?
1: Well, um, kind of concerning, but not really because of the quality of ChatGPT, but um, the bad task. Um, I think, uh, well, I I don't know the details about about, uh, this this, uh, study, but I think this example shows that we have to rethink what we want to teach our students and how we want to test it.
0: So, would you say that ChatGPT changed your own style of writing and your own writing process?
1: not really in the case of writing papers, not yet, but in more how to deal with um, text in general. Um, I like, for example, possibilities to aggregate information, which is embedded in different texts, for example, um, or to let ChatGPT restructure information. Uh, One example, in in one of my classes, we collected ideas um, of of the students uh, in a collaborative online text document, And then I used ChatGPT to cluster these ideas um, regarding their similarity. Uh, So we knew who should speak to who um, uh, because they have similar ideas. And this kind of um, uh, possibilities uh, are quite nice, I think.
0: So this would be a good task rather to use it as a tool to to find ideas and uh, not to summarize a text and just mark it.
1: Yeah, and especially I think the idea that ChatGPT can write whole texts um, does not really make sense. Uh, sometimes there are cases which uh, where that really works, but um, I think uh, often it's really the case that we can use ChatGPT as kind of collaborator, uh, which helps us to write a text.
0: That's wonderful. That's also what Anna Shera told us in the first episode of this podcast, that it is always a collaboration between the human and the AI tool. So, of course, it also, like, touchability changes a lot. You already said, like, we have to rethink what we want to teach our students. But what will that mean for writing a master thesis or a doctoral thesis? So, will it be different in the future?
1: Um, well, I think the use of AI tools will be as common as we use today uh, grammar checkers um, uh, or other um, functionalities in, in the writing process um, or styles, for example, where we apply styles to automatically generate a table of contents or an index, uh, etc. But I think we will have a kind of a, a transition period um, where the machine, the computer as a collaborator or a co will be very visible and um, this collaboration with machines will of course be discussed very controversially Um, many concepts will be questioned uh, like authorship creativity um, and normally a medium is transparent I mean Today, we are not talking about word processors or the keyboard we're using or or the mouse or whatever um, because we are familiar with with all this media. Um, And I think the same will happen uh, to AI tools, that they will uh, be in future more transparent and we won't talk anymore about them because then we are really familiar and have our practices learned how to really use um, all uh, these tools.
0: When you talk about transparency, would you... Do you think on transparency, how ChatGPT or other AI tools are creating some kind of product? Or do you rather think of how we show in our work how we used um, the tool?
1: Probably both. I mean... um, It will be so common, I think, that we use AI as a collaborating tool um, that we, we won't really discuss about that. It will be just normal and we will have our expectations that um, probably this paper I will be reading. Well, uh, of course, uh, there was AI um, in use to produce uh, this paper. Um, but of course, it's crucial to also know um, in which ways AI probably has been used in a paper and which not and which are really okay and which not. Yeah, and something I'd like to add is that I think that with AI, two cultures of writing will come together again. I call these two cultures um, typewriter culture and programming culture. Uh, That means... You can use, for example, a word processor like use an old typewriter. And if you do that, then you are really based in this typewriter culture. Um, of course, you nowadays use a computer and not a typewriter anymore, but uh, you can use it like a typewriter. Or you can write more the way you program. So, for example, embed um, in your text a command to integrate the data table and the plot uh, in the writing process. But you, with AI, you won't have to program that, um, but it will be possible just to define this task in natural language. Um, so you could write, please integrate here in my text a diagram showing word frequencies in a database X. And the AI will then formulate the code to use an API, so a programming interface to automatically uh, querying this database and, and get the frequencies, and will then also formulate the code necessary to draw the plot. And you have that all integrated in your text document uh, and in your word processor software. So mm-hmm. they really see, I think, these possibilities are kind of emerging of these two cultures, <laughs> Using the word processor just like as a typewriter and programming.
0: Now, of course, writing, especially in humanities, means not communicating, not only communicating information, but it's also seen as a process of thinking. I think you already said, like when you explained the task you give to students, that AI tool is helping with this process of thinking. But are we not in danger of losing? the original individual thoughts when we are using these large language models such as ChatGPT?
1: Yeah, well, I, I doubt a bit that um, we in the past or, or nowadays really only have individual thoughts in writing a text <laughs> because it's really normal that we do that collaboratively uh, I mean think of of ghostwriting <laughs> uh, but also uh, if I write a text, then normally I, I talk to people um, and we, we discuss these ideas, and uh, all this information also is in the end somehow presented in, in the paper. Uh, but normally, I, I do not really um, uh, inform about that and, and cite that I have talked. Uh, I had a chat with, uh, with a colleague, uh, and then we discussed uh, this and that, and therefore I had this and this uh, idea. So um, I think this is not completely new, that um, writing texts mean um, really uh, reading a lot, uh, listening to people, discussing with people. And now we have AI, which is also kind of with, with its chat fun- functionality, which is crucial, I think, a possibility to um, uh, have a collaborator um, and I can share ideas uh, with this collaborator, which is in this case uh, an AI.
0: Do you think that what you were describing was also, is also like a, a kind of community you building when you are writing a text, when you are doing research, when now ChatGPT is taking that over, do you think that we are losing this community?
1: Well, I think uh, ChatGPT can't replace all my colleagues. It's just one colleague, which is kind of phrase special <laughs> 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 uh, special habits uh, special knowledge special skills um, and therefore uh, of course I also I still need uh, the other, the other uh, colleagues as, as human beings um, but I think uh, it will be important that I have um, kind of a um, individualized version of an AI uh, and not I mean now we have this ChatGPT uh, browser version which is just a generalized version of an AI and in the future I think we will have the AI I in, in different software tools, uh, where I also have the possibility to, um, yeah, to kind of adapt this AI uh, to my needs and my background. Uh, so it, it will have kind of a personality, if you wish. Uh, yeah,
0: that's also something I think in ChatGPT. Four, you always have already have this uh, link when you can. Um, yeah, customize it a bit and say, "Hey, I'm Alexandra. Mm-hmm. I'm working for uh, the University of Zurich. I'm so you can give the machine already some content, uh, context, um, how to work." So I think you yeah,
1: absolutely, agree. yeah.
0: We are working in that direction. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, but if we give away these AI tools um, and outsource our cognitive tasks. To have more capacity for higher value activities. It's something you described, kind of, when we when we were talking about chatting with ChatGPT to find, yeah, to to just understand, have new ideas and um, collaborate. What kind of advantage does this have for the writing process?
1: Um, maybe it's a chance to really be more focused on the content. Um, so um, I mean still um, already now there are people who avoid using a word processor, for example, because they think well, it's so completely overloaded with functions and they have to deal with formatting and design, etc. etc. And they rather use just a simple text editor where they uh, really can be focused on the content and just the writing process. And combine that with an AI is kind of, thing. I think, uh, a really cool thing because um, then you can really focus on, on, on your ideas and the content and the AI in the background um, does all the formatting stuff and structuring and then, for example, uh, supports you in finding the the right structure or proposes a a schema, how to structure your text, etc. And does all the the formatting. So, for example, um, if uh, the publisher tells you that um, there is a specific style sheet how you have to design your text and uh, every example, for example, has to be in italics or Object language has to be whatever. These tasks just can, can, can just be um, uh, done by, by an AI. Uh, so you have really a, um, yeah, a separation of the writing process, dealing with your ideas, exploring uh, your argument, and then uh, the structuring, formatting, um, uh, and styling.
0: That's absolutely amazing, and everything sounds so good. <laughs> so um, we all know that humans like to pick the path of least uh, resistance. And I'm just wondering, we are now talking a lot about how we write and how maybe professors would write the text, but isn't it the illusion that students use Gen AI mindfully and critically and not just use it? To avoid um, like difficult tasks and yeah, to the, the strenuous uh, thinking processes.
1: Mm, well, I think um, if you collaborate with partners to write a text in general, so be it machines or human beings, um, it's all about establishing a trustful relation with them. Um, because, I mean, if you talk to a colleague and, and this colleague gives you some advice, uh, then you need to trust him that this advice this person gives you is really useful and, and right. Um, because you as an author have the responsibility for this text because you are the author of the text. Um and this is the same thing with the machine so if you use an ai um uh, to 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 help you to write a text um then you have to have this trust in in this ai and in order to to establish this trustful um relationship you have to know a lot about how ai works you, have, you need to have ai literacy but you also have um, the, the the duty to judge the output of, of such an AI. Uh, and for that, you you need to know a lot, uh, and therefore it really makes sense that you not only have um, yeah, kind of the AI literacy, so knowledge about how AI works, but also um, how a text works, and then of course in your field that you can judge, judge the output of this AI.
0: Of course, but isn't Especially in when, when we have exams or assignments, isn't the judgment how good the result is, isn't that the task of the teacher in the end?
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. But, um, I mean, as you are responsible for the text, you have to be convinced that the text you deliver to the teacher is okay. Um, And, of course, uh, then, uh, I mean, um, if it's really the case that you have um, heavily used an AI to produce your text and um, you really think, okay, that's a cool text. It's really of high quality and you hand it in and then also the teacher thinks, well, very good. Nothing to object, and yeah, then then that's the case, and we have to accept that. That uh, okay, in this case, obviously the, the AI was so strong uh, that it was capable of really helping you to produce a good text.
0: So maybe that's a difficult question, but where do you see the line between meaningful use of AI and cheating?
1: Yeah, it's really difficult to say because I mean, if you use now, for example, a grammar checker to check your text. Is that okay or not? Is that cheating or not? If you reuse existing code, for example, to draw a plot automatically in your paper, um, and you haven't invented this code yourself, is that okay or not? Um, I think uh, the question is, if this skill is, is part of that what um, is meant to be uh, tested. So, I mean, if you are a foreign language teacher uh, or a learner, a foreign language learner, uh, then, of course, um, it's very important that you have these grammar skills. And then if you write a text uh, and just use uh, the automatic grammar spelling correction, then, um, okay, then you haven't learned anything. <laughs> That's clear. So here it's crucial that you ha- know uh, this, the, the, the grammar. Um, But if this is not the issue and it's all about something else, uh, then it's okay to use the grammar checker.
0: So would you say that now even more it's in the responsibility of the learner or of the students to understand what kind of skills they really have to learn? So to rephrase the question, is there a, a responsibility of the teacher to make the students understand why they should learn certain skills?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think um, what we will see now is really a, that a lot of concepts and ideas and contents that is being teached will be challenged. And we have to Balance and and kind of recalibrate the distribution of tasks between machines and humans, and then also what is being taught uh, in, in uh, at universities and, and schools, uh, etc. Um, and we always have had that already I mean if you think uh, in philology for example um, then finding sources box information etc um, uh, I mean 20 years ago uh, it was very important that you knew the catalogues in the library how to work with them um, and then there were books uh, compiling information about other books and you had to knew these books etc etc and then the internet was invented and the search engine full text search engine and you have a completely different different approach how to deal with information and find information. So all the knowledge how to use these catalogues is uh, not needed anymore. And I think this will, of course, also happen now with AI, that we have to, to question ourselves, okay, is this knowledge I'd like to teach here really necessary or is there um, other knowledge which is important uh, to really um, yeah, use uh, in, yeah, in a sensible way uh, AI?
0: So to finish this part of writing, um, maybe a personal question. Are you able to- to tell the difference between a text <laughs> written by a human and generated by AI
1: well, I think uh, for shorter texts and very formalized text, uh, this will be very difficult, and uh, probably you can't uh, really uh, identify the AI generated text. The longer text is, of course, the easier it will be um, and uh, yeah, I think that for example really a thesis there if it's completely generated or um, yeah, heavily generated by an AI then you would see that.
0: How would you see that?
1: You would see that you have really some formal expressions which are so formal, so uh, ordinary, (laughs) Uh, and uh, are really in this style of how ChatGPT has been trained. Um, I mean, this is also an important issue. I mean, the large language model we we um, uh, are exploring now, with, uh, in the case of ChatGPT, has been trained specifically uh, for a specific form of dialogue, which is really this um, uh, assistant-led dialogue. Yeah, so it's it's kind of uh, your secretary answering, and you, as as uh, the human being, you are always right. That's cause uh, that's clear, um, and so this is a, um, a really a specific style of of dialogue. And this specific style of dialogue, of course, produces also very specific linguistic patterns. Um, And you will refine these patterns in, in a text. And then, of course, another thing is that uh, I think normally a, um, a thesis not only contains uh, just um, um, yeah, theoretical considerations, uh, but you work with data and you do something. And, and uh, I mean, for example, linguistics, uh, this is a very important part, this uh, empirical part. And um, I mean, this can't be uh, just uh, invented by an AI. Uh, so there, the real work goes in. And that's also the part that I will touch as a teacher.
0: That's uh, very interesting, but let's switch the perspective a bit to teaching. So in the US, ChatGPT has successfully solved uh, university exams in medicine, law and economy. If a machine can solve uh, educational tasks adequately, what does it tell us about our current education system?
1: That it has to be changed <laughs> <laughs> we always have to adapt uh, our education system to the new needs as i've mentioned before with the uh, uh, with the case of, of the libraries and how we um, yeah, search for information uh, uh, this, yeah a lot has to be uh, or was uh, has, has been changed um, already, and that will be also the case in the future um, and uh, I mean uh, Also, I think in medicine, uh, for example, uh, that's also a good example where, um, uh, um, I don't know, uh, 10, 20 years ago, you probably needed to um, know uh, very specific things, which now you can't just look up in a good information system and and get the latest information. And before you had to knew it by heart. Um, And that also um, uh, yeah, um, um, led to, to, to changes in, in the, the content uh, what you have to teach.
0: So considering Gen AI is very powerful in solving problems and will even become more powerful in the future. So that's something we know that's the worst AI we can get. It will be better in the future. So what do the students still have to
1: learn? Mm, In general, and first of all, um, it's, I think, AI literacy. Uh, So um, it always strikes me how little people know about AI and what a large language model is, what is being represented in, in a large language model what is language anyway <laughs> um and why c- can uh, a large language model do what it and, and what can, uh, can't it do what is the difference between consulting a large language model and querying an archive of original texts for example because in a large language model you only have a statistically representation of text you won't find any <laughs> original text in in there uh, but in the archive you will um i think we as linguists can help to give the needed perspective on language and communication to understand why generative AI works and what the impact is. And then what the students should learn, of course, uh, depends highly on on the respective disciplines. That's clear. Uh, In philology in general, An understanding of writing and reading process as a collaboration with machines as participants is crucial, I think. Um, And also, this nicely fits, I think, in um, a whole history of uh, we w- what what the role of machines are in writing processes. So this is really also um, of high interest in philology, uh, anyway. Um, and we have to rethink and uh, yeah, see uh, how this changes now in future.
0: So you already said a lot that we have to rethink teaching. Do you have the feeling that? this rethinking already started or so what's your yeah how how, what what do you feel you're part of the university um a community a huge community is this did this start or are we just um yeah lacking behind maybe a bit
1: Hmm, (laughs) different question. And uh, really, it also highly depends on on the disciplines, of course. I mean, uh, I think in linguistics, for example, we were really early in uh, exploring the possibilities. I mean, uh, already before um, uh, ChatGPT has been released, uh, we have worked with uh, large language models in linguistics and uh, used that for the analysis of of, uh, discourses of of language in general. Um, So we were kind of used... Um, to work with large language models and knew um, uh, what they uh, were capable of of doing. Um, So then it was also clear okay, um, now we have reached a new step, a new generation of these AI tools. Um, we also have the whole research uh, on how writing works. Um, uh, so it was kind of clear that um, this is a very interesting field of research, uh, which then, of course, also leads to all these questions, uh, what we want to teach and what are the skills, etc. Et um, in the rest of the philology, I think it took a bit more time (laughs) until people realized um, what the impact is. Uh, I also always uh, or oh, I discussed this topic with my students really from the beginning on, and sometimes I really was puzzled that um, in the room uh, two of twenty had already experiences with uh, AI but the rest uh, not at all um, and my goal really was to change that and um, yeah to 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 uh, motivate the students to really work with that and now, I think. Um, the topic has really reached uh, the whole community. Uh, also, if you look at schools, for example, I um, give a lot of talks uh, in at, at schools uh, to tell people how that works. So, I think the process really has started now, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: so, uh, Gen AI has hit mainstream. Yeah. What does this mean or how does it affect the way we do exams? Yeah,
1: yeah, um, If we want to test skills, which could also be done by an AI, then we have to decide. Either we think these skills aren't important anymore, and then we have to ask other questions, do other tests. But if you think it makes still sense to teach these skills, then we need to uh, find other settings for exams. So closed writing environments, for example, oral exams, uh, etc. I think there are a lot of possibilities.
0: So maybe to shift again a bit the, the perspective. Now, we know and we talked about this a lot that it's nearly impossible for teachers to figure out, especially you said for short texts, if uh, students using uh, Gen.ai also to solve, for example, an exam. Um, how does this potential mistrust impact the student and teacher relationship?
1: Yeah, my um, In general, I I really suggest to be very open and to discuss uh, generative AI with the students uh, permanently and explore together with them uh, the possibilities and and limitations. And the potential mistrust goes in both ways uh, because uh, the students also have to trust me as a teacher that uh, I won't grade their work uh, only by uh, using AI. Um, so I think together we have to explore the possibilities and then um, yeah, find of a common sense uh, um, how we integrate these possibilities in our work uh, um, at the side of students, but also at the side of, of the teachers.
0: So now you basically said like you... you you integrate Gen. AI in your teaching and um, you, yeah, you discuss with the students what it can do, what it cannot do. Um, but still, do you think that students still need to learn how to write? And maybe even more interesting, how do you justify that in front of the students?
1: Um, sure, I mean... Already until now, you could have always paid a ghostwriter to to write your papers. Um, But your chances to get an interesting job afterwards, after your studies, if you have always paid a ghostwriter, (laughs) are kind of very low, I think, because you just have the capabilities, the skills you need for, for, for your job. What makes you outstanding now, I think, is really having the skills to combine your good writing skills with clever use of AI, because just use AI, anyone can do that. But if you in addition have really the skills um of writing good tes- texts and yeah to know how to really um profit from, from AI then then you are outstanding and, and you will have the better job than uh, than the other persons. Um, and to judge if uh, the AI as a writing participant is really useful, um, you have to know a lot about writing and language in general. Otherwise, that won't work.
0: That's um, good to know. So it's not the end of writing. <laughs> um, that's probably good to know for our listeners as well. Um, I'd like to end this episode of Setting Sails with the saying, a smooth sea never made a skilled sailor. Noah. Does being shaken up by AI make us more skilled teachers?
1: I really hope so. Yes, that uh, that's the case. Um, But I think it also means that teaching and writing writing is even more exciting in those times because um, this whole new setting we have, the more important role of the machine as a collaborator, uh, is really an exciting situation.
0: Great. Thank you so much, uh, Noah Boomhofer, for sharing your thoughts here at the Setting Sales podcast. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode of Setting Sales, I would appreciate it if you subscribed. Please share your feedback, questions, and topics that interest you by sending an email to teachingtools at education.ush.ch. You can find all the information in the show notes. Check it
1: out!